The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this rainy summer day as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via the podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is Jessica Cheek, and I have the pleasure of serving as the university chaplain for international students here at Marsh Chapel. Our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today, we continue our summer preaching series toward a common hope with our guest preacher and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman. Reverend Karen serves as the associate chaplain for Episcopal ministry here at Marsh Chapel. We look forward to the words of hope Reverend Karen will offer us today. We gather today to worship God and be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
Let us pray. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now enter into a time of reflection on both the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone that might burden us throughout our days. As the choir sings the Kyrie, let us pray, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Friends, hear the good news. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verses 4 to 8. But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, then he went into the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 25, through chapter 5, verse 2. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 34 with the antiphon. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Dear friends, let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 6, verse 35, and verses 41 through 51. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that, not that anyone has seen the Father except for the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Let there be peace among us, and let us not be part of our own or another's oppression. Amen. When I was a child, my parents and I would drive out to my great aunt Jessie's and great uncle Stuart's place in the country. We were usually accompanied by my cousin, my aunt, and my grandparents. It was a place where my cousin and I were pretty predictable in our actions. First, we would stop in the kitchen to see if Aunt Jessie was going to make peach ice cream, which also meant that we were going to have to take turns turning it by hand on the front porch. On the counter, there was a large beige earthenware mixing bowl covered with a damp dish towel. This was an indication that we were having rolls with dinner. My cousin and I were given instructions on what fresh vegetables were to be picked for dinner, Kentucky Wonder Beans, corn, tomatoes, lettuce, to name a few. Returning from our outdoor farmer's market, my cousin and I would then take a walk down the dirt road to Mr. and Mrs. Mack's house. The Mack's had a real farm, complete with a barn and animals. Mr. Mack would ride us around on his tractors and let us feed the chickens. Mrs. Mack would treat us to fresh-squeezed lemonade and homemade chocolate chip cookies. Quite satisfied, we would then run back to my great-aunt's house and begin to churn the ice cream. My father would take the sealed metal container of milk, cream, sugar, and peaches and secure it in the ice cream maker and surround it with ice and top it off with rock salt. I preferred to turn later in the process as I really wanted to go in the house and punch down the dough for the rolls. 
I remember my Aunt Jessie saying, go on, give it a good punch. My small hand was lost in the dough that surrounded it. She would then take the back of a dinner knife and scrape the dough off my hand. I would watch her intently knead the dough. She had arthritis of the hands, and I never quite grasped the full weight of how difficult a task that this might have been. She rolled the dough out on a wooden board that she had spread with flour, and taking a drinking glass and dipping the rim of the glass into flour, she would cut circles of dough to form the rolls. She would then pick up each circle and fold it over to the top third of the roll, taking each roll and placing it carefully on a greased baking sheet. The remaining dough would be gathered and the process repeated until there were two full pans of rolls. Another rise, then brushed with melted butter and placed in the oven. The house smelled wonderful. It was as a young child that I learned that making bread is an act of love. Over the years, I have made yeast bread, but nothing has ever equated my Aunt Jessie's rolls. But I continue to hold my truth that making bread is an act of love. I recall making a loaf of challah and my father and I sitting at the dining table, a warm loaf of bread and a plate of butter between us. My current love for baking bread came after I read Michael Pollan's book, Cooked, A Natural History of Transformation. Bread in the modern context, as we have come to know it, is the result of the advent of roller mills that made white flour widely available and of the commercialization of yeast in the 1880s. While it made life easier, it took much of the nutrition out of the bread and made the bread commercially available for purchase. It was a staple of the dinner table in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, predictable in color and pretty tasteless, and it had preservatives, so it had a long shelf life. It must be noted that for most of European history, bread represented more than half the calories in the diet of the peasantry and urban poor, according to French historian Fernard Bardel. But ask any serious 2018 bread maker, and they will tell you time and time again that making bread is an act of love. My friend Julie Carson gifted me with starter yeast last year. Since then, I have tended, fed, and used the yeast to bake bread. Now, that act of love has not been easy, and many times it appears one-sided in favor of the yeast. Yeast has popped out of containers, moved in mysterious ways along the kitchen counter, and made its way to the floor only to continue to expand in the process. Julie says, this means that I'm doing it right. Baking bread is a gift of love, an abundant and life-giving and sustaining gift. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, are we looking at Jesus as boring factory-made bread? What comes to mind when we hear, I am the bread of life? 
People will think of the bread that we use for communion. In most Episcopal and Anglican churches, to commemorate the Lord's Supper, we use the communion wafer. It's easy, it's convenient, and it comes in a resealable container of 500, and it has no resemblance to the taste of bread. Is this the bread of life to which Jesus has likened himself to? Today's gospel reading begins with Jesus' proclamation, I am the bread of life. Early, we read the story that has come to be known as the feeding of the 5,000, where many hungry people are fed because there was, a love, there was love and sharing enough for all. The focus of this feeding story has been on the meal, and very little attention has been paid to the bread itself and what it might signify. In the same way that focus on mass feeding has been on the miracle and not on the food itself, so too with today's proclamation that Jesus is the bread of life. We usually focus our attention on Jesus rather than on the bread. But how can we begin to understand what Jesus was saying about himself until we look more closely at the bread? When Jesus talks about the bread, he is looking about a community that is all-inclusive. All-inclusive means all-inclusive. If we don't get to all-inclusive, because if we don't include all, we place restrictions on the way we live our life in this world. In other words, we get predictable bread. When I visited South Africa a few years ago, I was introduced to a rich, rich, dense bread they called seed loaf, boasting different seeds and grains, which yield a loaf of complex texture and rich flavor. That is how it was described on the market's website. Seed loaf, our healthiest loaf, is hearty and moist made from white flour, whole wheat flour, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds, flax seeds, bran, sunflower oil, and yeast, and honey. This is definitely the sort of bread invoked by Jesus' claim, I am the bread of life. The passage from John's Gospel is a lesson about love, belief, and abundance. It is difficult to associate mass-produced bread with the actual kneading and baking of a loaf of bread. We are all accustomed to that huge aisle devoted to our bread in the local market. Abundance, yes, but not so much anything else. Consider Berkshire Mountain Bakery in Western Massachusetts, a small bakery Berkshire Mountain makes its own yeast and uses fresh milled flour. Online orders need to be placed by Sunday at noon to be baked and shipped on Tuesday. They have a sort of cult following of breadies and followers of the bread guru Richard Bourdain. One can order this afternoon if you'd like cheese and herb bread, cherry pecan, chapata, dark chocolate, jalapeno and cheese, peasant French bread, and spelt bread. 
Visiting the bakery is a bread Disneyland. Driving through towns in western Massachusetts, confused by my GPS, I was on a mission to search out and buy real bread. When we finally arrived, I stood in front of a small wall of daily selections, speechless and mouth ajar. Here I was with real bread, food for the soul, handmade, made with care, and made with love. When the bread is sold out for the day, there is no going to the back of the bakery to retrieve additional loaves, and no bread ever comes in a plastic sleeve. Our lives, our families, and our friends are enriched with a diversity of likes and dislikes. So why not our bread? And to turn things around, Jesus spoke of himself of bread as the bread of life. Is it possible that he was speaking of richness, of texture, of boldness and flavor, that he was inviting us to a greater feast in our life of faith? Jesus' ministry was built on a rich foundation of many stories of feeding and being fed. We have one example in today's reading from the Hebrew Bible. In the reading from 1 Kings, Elijah sets out on a long journey, sustained by the gift of the angel of the Lord. Food, not just once does the angel feed him, but twice. The angel commands him, get up and eat. This wasn't just any food, but bread. Elijah got up and ate and drank. And when he went in, then he went in with strength with that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Jesus would have been well acquainted with the Exodus story and would have known the tradition that the Lord God sustained the Israelites in the wilderness with manna, bread from heaven, which is actually not bread as we know it, but is a sustainable edible food that combines morning frost. It's edible and it tastes like bread. The Exodus theme permeates John's gospel setting up a tension between the manna given from heaven to feed the people in the wilderness and the Eucharistic bread that feeds us in the wilderness of our souls. Sometimes in the midst of that tension, we find the bread of life, not manna from God, not the flesh of Christ, but the bread of life, the bread that brings life, the bread that brings us eternal life. Now, if we continue on with the reading, we have those who aren't quite sure about Jesus' claim of who and whose he is. Now, bear with me for a moment, and so I'm going to change the context of some of the commentaries about this passage. I'm going with the phrase that the crowd began to complain. I have been blessed with long longevity on both my mother and father's side of the family. Part of this blessing is that I was blessed at an early age with the importance of listening and being with the elders. 
respect was given by me, and in turn, stories were given to me as an oral history of struggle and triumph. In my own family, my grandfather moved north for the promise and fulfillment of a good job at the Ford Motor Factory. The pay was good and steady and moved many an African-American into the middle class. My father's older brothers went to work at Ford's. However, my father, after the first few months of working at the factory, a welder friend pulled him aside and said to my father, this is not going to work for you. You need to go to college. It was a few weeks later that my father fell off a scaffolding and was given the time and space to consider his career path. He chose to go to college, and it wasn't met initially with a community that kind of knew how a college education was going to lead to a steady job and provide for a family. Many a neighbor said, you know about Wyatt and Christine's child? He's going to college. He thinks he's better. Who does he think he is? My father received a PhD and encouraged his younger brothers to attain a college degree. We have all known a person or two or three in our lives who said, you know what so-and-so's child is doing. Do we say that in disbelief? Or do we say that in amazement for the blessings that have been given to that person? This is not an old conversation. The writer of John knew the people they were writing about and knew the questions that were on their hearts and, and on their minds. Jesus was baking something new creating the yeast that would break from the plastic container on the counter and flow onto the kitchen counter and onto the floor and carried out the door to feed the people. This vision of bread given to us in John's Gospel teaches us that we will be fed, that we are enough, that we are loved. To eat the bread of life and love means that communities come together to have conversations about their differences and support each other when forms of racial hatred are expressed in their communities. To eat the bread of life and love is to check our privileges at the door and stop for a moment and let the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our thoughts. To eat the bread of life in love is to have compassion for one another, even under the most difficult circumstances. To eat the bread of life means we struggle and we wiggle in comfortable and uncomfortable conversations with the other of differing opinions, and we stay present. To eat the bread of life means we don't discount, belittle, or shame 
the other, as we are all the other at times in our lives. The author and humanist chaplain Jim Palmer wrote this week, my God is better than your God. My religion is better than your religion. My belief system is better than your belief system. My philosophy is better than your philosophy. My ideology is better your, than your ideology. My ism is better than your ism. My race is better than your race. My socioeconomic class is better than yours. My degree is better than yours. My cause is better than yours. My political party is better than your political party. And the wheels of the bus go round and round. Meanwhile, there is something beneath all those layers that unite us all together as one. We are operating out of the beliefs mindset, narratives, and ideologies that are programmed in our head. We are divided and separated, but when we allow ourselves to sink into our innermost being and common humanity, we discover that we are more alike than we are different. We desire and fear the same things. We are caught up in the inescapable network of mutuality and single garment of destiny. And when we let ourselves go there, we know in our deepest self that love, goodness, peace, harmony, beauty, solidarity, and compassion is what is most real. We are one human special family. There is no real conflict or division between us. Stop listening to them. Start listening to you, end quote. To break, real bread is messy. Crumbs fall everywhere. Bread broken by hand is never even. But there's a joy and a love in sharing with others. Breaking bread is beautiful. Breaking bread is messy. Breaking bread is comforting. Breaking bread is an amazing act of love. Let us break bread together on our knees, or at our table, or when we encounter the other or one another in our daily life journey. Amen.
Please be seated. <clears throat> As we are called to prayer through our singing of Lead Me, Lord, we invite you to pray in the manner that you feel will, both, will best support the prayers of this community. Come to, or sit or kneel at the altar rail, stand or kneel at the altar rail, raise your hands in your place, respond in a language other than English, however the Spirit leads you to pray this morning. I will set the intention, and then we'll say, in your grace, if you would please respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray together. who are one, you who are three, one God in holy community. We who are created in your image are glad and grateful for your presence with us as source of all life and Christ and spirit, for your encouragement by your gifts and fruits in our lives, for your empowerment to grow in love and to choose the good. In your grace of invitation and inclusion, we pray. For ourselves, as individuals and for the communities of which we are a part, for our particular ministries in the world, for our ministry in and through Marsh Chapel and the Office of Religious Life, for the work of all the Church. In your grace, hear our prayer. With and for our cousins and neighbors in faith traditions not our own, and with and for all people of goodwill, for the works of blessing, courage, and peace in and through us all, for the life of the world. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the nations and peoples of the world, for the leaders amongst them, and for the ways of peace amongst us all. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the health of creation, for our earth and air and water, for our companion animals, birds, insects, and plants. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those who disagree with us and those who wish us harm, and for all those who we ourselves have injured or offended. 
in your grace, hear our prayer. For those individuals and communities who face particular challenges of mind, body, spirit, relationship, in your grace, hear our prayer. For those who have died, for their family and friends, for your will fulfilled in them, and for our sharing with all your saints in the life to come. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the celebrations, milestones, and joys of our human life with thanksgiving. In your grace, hear our prayer. In all these things we pray in trust as you pray with us in your compassion too deep for words. Amen. And continuing in our prayer together, as our Lord Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to, you, to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We are grateful for the ministry and word among us of the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman this morning. And we look forward next week to welcoming Dean Hill back, and then on Sunday, August 26th, to welcoming the Reverend Scott Donahue Martins to round out our summer preacher series on the theme Toward a Common Hope. We are also grateful that Commonwealth Avenue deck construction has wound up. It is completed. The road and the T-tracks are open again and uh, ease of passage is restored. We look forward to a number of folks who have uh, been apart from us the last couple of weeks rejoining us now that things are, are flowing again. 
Uh, do note that there will be a few more, more minor closures as they do some finishing work, but we can all enjoy uh, having our space and our travel restored to us. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Juan Esquivel's setting of a verse from the Gospel of John, just a few verses after our Gospel reading for this morning. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. Alleluia.
bless and multiply these our gifts of money, O God, the symbol of our time, resources, energy, and devotion. May they further and expand your work of love and justice in the world. In the name of that one who is the bread of life to us, and in the presence and power of your Holy Spirit, breath of life. Amen. And now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good cheer. Hold fast that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help ensure the sick. Love the Lord. Honor and support those in the Lord. And the blessing of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>